Today's episode of Green with Envy is brought to you by the Manekis Companies, your Dorchester-centric realtor. Spelled M-A-N-E-I-K-I-S, Charlie Manekis is Dorchester's most trusted realtor. With 55 years of residency in Dorchester, Charlie has deeply rooted community relationships that help connect the dots to deliver trusted home buying and home listing services. Visit themanekiscompanies.com to learn more. What up, what up, what up? Welcome into another edition of Green with Envy. This is volume two of our Heroes Among Us miniseries. As always, it is myself, Will Weir, and my best friend, Greg Menegas. But today, we are joined by a special guest, a former contributor to the Hot Hot Hoops blog, which is currently a part of SB Nation, and a founding member of the Best ATX Tuesday Night pickup game in the 512 welcome in our good friend rahul takahashi how's it going my guy hey i know the first thing you said qualifies me a little more but i'm more proud of the second one (laughs) (laughs) no man so tell me right now you know how much i know for greg and i we've, we've referenced our tuesday night pickup game several times on here I'm starving for some pickup ball. How how are you doing without pickup ball these last couple of months? You know, out of all the things with the pandemic, uh, honestly, a lot of things I could let go of, you know, work, office, things like that, going to restaurants, things like that. Uh, you know, those are just secondary. The only painful one, painful one is is uh, basketball Tuesday nights. That's it's killing me. It's 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 showing around my belly. It's showing around my cardio. It's it's uh, it's painful all around. Uh, you know, the the family's getting tired of me. They knew that at least on Tuesdays I could leave them, uh, leave them be. Uh, so yeah, Tuesday night basketball, man. That is that is a one downfall of a, of this pandemic. It's hurting bad, man. Bad. All right, Raul. I, I need you to give everybody like a, a little scouting report on uh, on the two of us. So having played against <laughs> us enough now, you know, if if anybody ever you know meets me and Will on the court, well, you know, what do they have to watch out for? Oh man, that's a tough one. I gotta praise you, but I'm gonna try not to be too <laughs> too kind. Oh man, be be as real as you can. Just give it to us straight. Well, I just I'm gonna start with Will because he's he's a little bit more compartmentalized, you know. He's a he's a three guy. He's a shooter. He's a uh, I don't know why, but I think of uh, you know Jared Dudley, who does, isn't necessarily super fast, but he's efficient at all his movements, right? So Will is like conserving his energy, <laughs> and he moves to where he needs to go to get open, uh, and he can knock down to three. So Will's got a jumper on him. Yeah, Will. I'll take, I I I'll love take Jared that Dudley, man. BC legend. I'll take I'll take Jared Dudley. I love I love that reference. Will, you are very good at conserving your energy. That was a very nice way of putting it. It's a it's a team effort, guys. I gotta I gotta make sure that I'm ready when my number's called. So, you know, I, I just gotta make sure that energy's ready to go when needed so we can close it out and get that dub. That's right. It's a skill. Harden does it really well. You know, Dudley uh, does it in a in shorter amount of time, so Will's master that as well. More on the Dudley scale. (laughs) Yeah, for yeah, for sure. Raul, don't sell yourself short, man. You're a knockdown shooter yourself. You you got that strap on you. Uh, I think I've had to go that route after I lost the athleticism. As I get older, I had to. But uh, once upon a time, uh, you know, being a Heat fan, being a big Wade fan, 
Uh, I would try to drive to the hole as much as possible and, and get some contact in there, but no more. You, you still, no, you, you still got like some trickiness to your game, though, man. When, when you drive off off of a, a shot fake, you know, you, you got some good ball fakes going to the basket. Um, you know, you've definitely caught me a few times with, with some fake passes, and I turn my head, and all of a sudden you're laying the ball up. Really tricky game. I'm, I'm, I've been impressed with your game, man, not going to lie. Ah, thanks for the price. Thanks for the price. Well, let me give you the scout on, on Greg. Greg, when he plays with us on Tuesdays, the thing about Greg is he's playing like 60%. Like you can tell, <laughs> you can tell Greg comes in on Tuesday dies. He's going to go in 60%. Uh, you know, as much as uh, the, the person that I think about with you, Greg, is, is really Kobe. J- just from the perspective of the, the how wise and how uh, every move seems to be calculated that you're that you're doing out there. Uh, and I can tell that you're, you know, you're going 60%. And when you really need to take <laughs> over and you push it, you start pressing that pedal to the metal like oh 70 oh greg's at 70 oh shit greg's at 80 <laughs> and then if greg just wants to take over he's just going to take over you know and uh and win the game so uh <laughs> i i appreciate that you're in it for the teammates and the you know and the teamwork because uh, if you really wanted to you could score you know 21 in a row but uh, uh no nobody wants to play with that though man right 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 so you're you you go for, you know you, you could easily be the guy that wins every game and takes over, but you become the guy that everyone wants to play with. So I appreciate that, uh, letting everyone else get involved. It's normally when my guy, I forget, I forget his name right now, the lefty with the funky shot. What's his name again? shot josh josh josh, josh. <laughs> when when josh hits like five shots in a row i'm like god damn it like you know no offense <laughs> to josh but i'm about to lose to josh's team right now <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's time to turn on the switch can't josh, have that happen streaky josh dad if he starts hitting them that's that's it forget it and we need you to we need you to come uh, and, and get us back in the game <laughs> Well, Raul, we're uh, we're pumped to have you as a guest, but I got to say, man, um, usually with each of our podcasts, we'll chop up a little segment, put it out there on social media. Since you just, for whatever reason, compare Greg to Kobe, I think we already know <laughs> what's going to be our chopped up clip, and he's never going to let that die oh, or live on the internet. So I'll take it. <laughs> and I'll say specifically, uh, older Kobe controlled Kobe, wise Kobe. So even that's more of a praise, but just to be clear on that. (laughs) RIP, by the way. Yeah, rest in power to to Kobe. 24 Kobe is Greg's Greg's pickup basketball comparison in the ATX. But let's let's transition. Let's talk a little bit about about the heat here, Raul. And specifically, I want to go back in time a little bit. I mentioned off the top that uh, you used to write for a blog called Hot Hot Hoops, which is now a part of, of SB Nation. Take us through that. Take us through a little bit about how you got involved. Were you a fan that then, you know, ended up working for the blog or, or was it the other way around? Walk us through that. Yeah, yeah. I thought about that uh, somewhat recently, how organic things can be, right? And how dominoes uh, can fall into place and how your life becomes, you know, what it is. Uh, you know, and I thought about it. So, you know, growing up in in South America and Mexico, Venezuela, uh, you know, since you're out of the country, when you watch the NBA, you're just a general fan, right? And obviously back then it was the Bulls, right? So big, big Bulls fan, a huge Pippen fan. That's still my favorite player of all time. Um, and you kind of just grow up being a, a general fan, but really going for the winners, right? The Bulls were the winners. Uh, moved to Texas um, my high school years and, you know, still no NBA team really to call my own. Uh, the Spurs are usually adopted around Texas and I appreciate their, you know, their, uh, uh, their system, I appreciate the players. I appreciate how beautiful ball they play, and and I've always been uh, admire. I always admired the Spurs, but they never really truly felt mine. Right. Uh, forward back to moving to Miami. Uh, it's about two thousand one, uh, and then just feeling the energy of having a local team. Right. 
uh, a local team to cheer for a local team to have to, to, to be passionate about. And they just, the, the bug just bit me looking at their culture, uh, looking at the players that they picked up, the usual players that they look for, um, you know, just that the team in general, then, um, you know, really, really caught on, uh, started going to games, uh, started really getting into basketball from an analytical, uh, uh, viewpoint, uh, really studying the numbers and really not just watching because watching is one thing. And then really reading the numbers when you combine them both, uh, can give you really great insight. So, uh, became a huge fan, um, and then a few years down the line, got got nerded out so much that I was like, I need an outlet, right, for all this nerd nerd out. Uh, I need a nerd out somewhere. So back then, if you remember the like the 08s, 09s, uh, the thing to do was to start a blog. Uh, so start a blog. Uh, I didn't even remember what the blog was called. I want to say it was called like White Hot Heat, something something like that, because that was the theme. It's like a Miami uh, Vice type theme. Yeah, something like that. I don't even remember. It didn't even matter. It was just an outlet. Um, and you know, I would share the articles here and there on uh, Twitter, social media, and then, uh, somebody from hot, hot hoops, uh, picked me up and said, Hey, uh, I've been reading your stuff. It's really good stuff. Uh, would you be interested in coming to write for hot, hot hoops, right? We're the, uh, ESPN true hoop network blog. And I don't know if you guys remember if you follow the true hoop network, uh, back in the day, miss it, uh, dearly, uh, the true hoop network was ESPN's way of saying, uh, we know there's a lot of content out there. Uh, we're going to pick one blog or one source of um, of news and analysis per team, and we're going to host house it under this network, right? So uh, the Celtics have their own. I don't even remember. Do you, do you know the, the True Hoop Network uh, Celtics affiliate? I, I know what you're talking about, and I, I used to read it, but the name of it is escaping me. I don't know if, if you remember it, Greg, but I, I know I used to go to that link because they had like – it was like sublinks from like each right. of the teams that you could go follow – on an individual basis, um, there was one, and I, I can't remember the name of the Celtics yeah. one. Though. Can't remember off the top of my head. I know the Celtics had a really good one. Um, so Hot Hot Hoops, what became the Miami Heat uh, source of analysis um, for ESPN, um, and uh, and it was a lot of fun. Right, we got a lot of views. Uh, the the coolest thing, I'm a big uh, Kevin Arnovitz fan. Um, I don't know if you guys, you guys probably all listen to Kevin. Um, and the coolest thing was him picking up my stories and bringing it into his daily, uh, daily quick updates where he said, Hey, Raul from the hot, hot hoops wrote about X, Y, Z, right. Or uh, check out his video on whatever X, Y, Z. Right. Um, and that was really exciting, right. Really be, be becoming uh, part of that network and hit, getting that visibility, uh, and, you know, nerding out, uh, all, um, on my own, but also being able to share that with the people, uh, talking about it, talking hoops. Um, it was a lot of fun. So uh, I kept doing it for a little while. And really what happened, and I don't know if you remember this, is the second the, the Heat got LeBron, um, obviously the Miami Heat blew up, right? It was like a celebrity team. Yeah. Uh, and they basically replaced us with this thing called the Heat Index. There was so much media around the Miami Heat that they, re that they removed Hot Hot Hoops from the True Hoop Network and then filled it in with this thing called the Heat Index. Uh, and they put on a bunch of writers on it, a bunch of professional writers on it, right? Um, so we kind of lost that connection. Right. Uh, and that was a bummer in, in one way, obviously we're excited that we have a great team. Uh, but another, there was so much attention that the, the market became really saturated and it was really hard to get anything across. Right. Because there was so many information being thrown at people about that Miami heat. Um, so that's kind of when I faded out a little bit into the dark, uh, bittersweet. And also around that time is when I moved to Texas. So I kind of lost that local connection, uh, with the folks out there as well. Uh, but still, huge fan, been following them. Now my way of nerding out is I'll post on Reddit here and there, and you know we'll get some good views and some good, some good conversations. I feel like I probably should go back on Twitter and and uh, nerd out with the fellow uh, ballers out there. 
Yeah, man. Come back, get on Twitter with us. We we just talked about in our last pod some New Year's resolutions to get out of the weeds of some of the the Twitter dialogues that uh, that can sometimes turn a little bit toxic in Celtic Twitter land. So come join us for some civilized uh, NBA discussion. <laughs> but maybe I will. I'm gonna dust off that old uh, handle and, and come back and talk to you guys. <laughs> it's it's funny, man. One of the things you mentioned is like around 0809 is is when you got and you said you know seemingly everyone the thing to do was make a blog, and I feel like fast forward to 2020 2021 the kind of the thing to do is make a podcast yeah it's exactly it's exactly what you know greg and i are, are trying to do right now but it's, it's really cool to hear you know like you talked about the natural evolution of of your story and of following the nba and then how it led into you know the different parts that that you were passionate about from the analytic perspective from the fan perspective and then being able to blend those together during your time that you were, you know, highly invested in Miami, you know, writing for the team, did you have any additional access or anything that led to any any good stories? I'm really I'm really trying to dig in here gently, but really I'm going to start digging in to find out what's a, what's a good juicy Miami Heat story that you got from us from your time working with the blog. Oh man, I, I wish I wish we would have had more access. I mean, as a contributing writer. Uh, only the primary uh, holder of the uh, Hot Hot Hoops Network, the owner of Hot Hot Hoops, is the one that got uh, most of the media access. Uh, we got cool things like the media packet. Uh, at the beginning of the year, they, they give you a media packet, right, to all the media members, and it has a schedule, and it has little bullet points per matchup. Um, and it's interesting how much effort actually they put into these these media packet books uh, so that your average Joe, you know, you got, I don't know, 70-year-old uh, journalist guy who basically covers the Miami Heat as a side thing for his, you know, uh, local channel in uh, Tampa or something, right? So he has something to go off of, right? Oh, here's yeah. the top players. Here's the top things to look for. Um, so, so having access to um, to media content like that um, and getting stories really from uh, by proxy by being in this network, we got a lot of stories uh, and a lot of we would be uh, like prioritized based on the communication that came down from uh, the hot hot hoops owner. So not a lot of access personally. I mean, I, I probably got more access just by going to the games and being present. Um, and actually I'll, I'll tell you a, a, a small story just from being in Miami. Um, when I was working at a music shop out there, uh, we drafted uh, good old Michael Beasley and, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I love Beasley. I loved Beasley in college. I, every time I see his highlight tapes, I think, oh my God, this guy could just sweep the entire NBA if he really wanted to, right? Um, so he got drafted and he came out He came out to our music shop um, and we just talked hoops for like 10 minutes. I mean, we're supposed to be talking about audio production, uh, but we just talked hoops. And my my biggest memory was shaking his hand and how his hand encapsulated almost my entire arm. <laughs> His hands were huge, uh, you know, and, and I love Beasley. I, I thought he had a lot of promise. I, you know, at the end of our conversation, uh, we ended it with, uh, hey, man, good luck out there. Make us proud. And he's like, I'm, I, I will, man, I will. Uh, and then and then this happened. <laughs> and then the rest of the of the of the Michael Beasley career happened. So I had high hopes for the guy, but it was cool getting to chat with him uh, and really early on seeing his true passion is his genuine uh, you know, will to to really drive Miami Heat to success. Uh, it just didn't work out in the end. Yeah, that's interesting, right? Because when we talk about the Miami Heat, especially now, the narrative is that like that Heat culture, you know, is 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 foolproof. Where if you're in it, um, 
Pat Riley and everything that him and Spo have have you know put into the organization is is going to get results, and you're going to extract as much talent as you can out of these players. You know, with the the legendary body fat count and all that stuff that they do. Um, and I'm just wondering, like, why do you think it didn't work out for Beasley? Because Will and I were also huge Michael Beasley fans, and it kills me that that dude didn't make it. I'll give you a couple of things. Like, Beasley and Rashad McCants are the two guys that I'm just like, man, like, what happened? Why couldn't you, yeah. why couldn't you make it, man? Um, so I was just wondering from your perspective, like, why didn't it work out for Beasley? But, you know, obviously it didn't work out for him anywhere. But why was he unable to thrive in Miami? McCants. Oh my God, McCants. <laughs> I mean, him a little less than Beasley, but I, I wouldn't say they're cut from the same cloth, but they, they really just, uh, the Miami Heater are all about focus, right? When you're on the court, you have to be 100% focused. You're, you're on our line everywhere you move. All the movement has to do, has to be done as a team. Um, you know, and actually, again, a story just from being in the games, you know, when you get to see the players, uh, when you're on camera, on TV, you only get to see certain things, right? But when you're in the games, you actually get to see body language and, and engagement activity. My favorite thing was Beastly knew every word to every rap song ever. In, be- <laughs> in between breaks, all he would be doing was dancing and rapping along with the music and bong- you know, bogging his head down. Uh, which, hey, it's fun. You're a fun guy. You're in here. You know, it's it's you're young as well. I get it. Uh, but meanwhile, the you know the team is having a huddle and talking about the game, and Beastly's just bopping to the jams, right? Um, so I think it really came down to to just. Focus. Just it's it's as simple as that. I, I don't think he was ever able to focus with the demand, at least that the Heat had. Maybe I, I, I you know, when when we talk about players landing in the right spot, maybe he ends up in in a in a bad team and he puts up huge points. Um, he has a slightly different career because he's given the reins. Uh, when he came to the Heat, there was a lot of expectation on him. Uh, there was also a lot was demanded out of the guy. Um, and you know, Pat Riley and the Miami Heat organization aren't known to give rookies. Um, a lot of leash, you know, um, so that kind of capped his ability to really have the freedom that he should have. But um, I, I really, I, I really had high hopes for the guy when he went to the to, to the Wolves, mind you. He he had a little bit of a breakout couple of seasons there, right? Where he, mm-hmm. he was given the keys and he was scoring at well, like he can, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then over time, I think his just his lack of ability to focus on the game, uh, whether that's you know a mental thing, a discipline thing, I don't know. Um, it was just his lack of focus, I think. Okay, and you know, switching from someone who couldn't thrive in heat culture to the embodiment of heat culture, what was it like covering Dwayne Wade? Because that dude was my favorite player. As much as, much as you know, I appreciated the Kobe comparison in my own game. Like I would have much more appreciated <laughs> Dwayne Wade comparison because I love D Wade, man. D Wade, like you know, you were covering D Wade in his absolute prime, and I was just wondering what that experience was like because, man, that I remember seeing him real quick. Um, one time, I think I was a junior in high school, and I went to a Celtics game against the Heat, but Wade was injured that year, and he was out on the court working out with Spo before Spo was the the head coach. And I was, I was just this young guy working out D-Wade, and I think he was also working out with Chris Quinn. That was when Chris Quinn was still playing for the Heat. And I just remember watching D Wade and the way that dude moved. I've never seen an athlete move as smoothly as Dwayne Wade did. So it's just what was that experience like? No, I think you nailed it right on the head. So the big thing about Wade was just his craftiness and and his agility and the way he moved. It reminded me a little bit of Manu, right? Uh, Manu has has a background coming from soccer, right? And a lot of players like that that have that soccer background, they they find this craftiness in their movement and the way they cut. 
Uh, and then the way they almost like a motorcycle when they run, they almost go sideways because they're going so hard at the turn, right? Uh, that was always exciting to see Wade. I, I call it the motorcycle turn when he was going so hard at the court that you literally see him at an angle on the court when he's driving because he's cutting so hard. Um, so you nailed it around the head. It was his craftiness, his movement, the way he could get to the to the rim pretty, pretty much at will. Uh, it's almost Giannis is kind of one of the ones that does that now in some way, but he's doing it with athleticism and height. In that way where he finds, um, I think he literally looked at the ground, soft feet, and then found ways to plant his foot in between other people's feet, right? That's how crazy it was that he just found a way around players every time. Um, and, and on top of his craftiness is his IQ, right? Um, he's always been a very, very smart player. He's always making the right play. Uh, there are times when he's been a little too confident, but, you know, he is weight, and we got, we got to let him cook. Um, but just his IQ uh, level and, and making the right play at the right time. Um, and then stepping out when 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 it's needed. Um, you guys probably remember the the uh, championship with Shaq uh, over the Mavs, where he just basically took over the entire series and won them the series single handedly. Uh, but just seeing him, it, he's one of those guys that every time you see him, he still surprises you. Every time, every game, he pulls something out where you're, even if you've seen it, you're still like, wow, that was that was. I, I don't know where he pulled that out of, but that was amazing. Um, so if I could say one thing is he never ceased to amaze every, every, every step he took seems so carefully, uh, crafted. Uh, and it was, it was beautiful to watch. He was a beautiful player to watch. Yeah, man. Um, so from, from Mr. Heat himself, Dwayne Wade, let's, let's go ahead and back to the present day here and let's talk about heat culture as it currently stands, you know? We're two huge Celtics fans. You're a massive Heat fan. We just came off the Eastern Conference Finals last year in which you guys took us down 4-2. to two. But Heat culture seemed to be extremely prevalent as the narrative throughout that entire series. And then before the injuries really hit in the finals against the Lakers, it was look at what this Heat culture has produced. And, you know, just like we talked about, a lot of that starts with Dwayne Wade. And, you know, you wonder kind of what if with a guy like Michael Beasley, Whereas now you see heat culture and what you guys have been able to do with rookies last year, like Tyler Hero, rookies this year, like Precious Achua, Duncan Robinson over the last few years, Bam Adebayo, and along with the veterans and, you know, Goran Dragic and bringing in Jimmy Butler, who's, you know, he's the quote unquote superstar of, of the team or the star of the team. I don't, I don't know what we want to label him these days. I feel like he keeps changing what that, what that level is, is going to be at, but you know, as we get ready for a rematch, two games coming up this week, Celtics and Heat. Raul, for our listeners out there, just give us kind of, you know, what is the vibe around Miami Heat fans right now as of the recording of this podcast? Still super early in the season, two and three. Not really much to make too big of a deal of a, of a record this early in the season. But, you know, what's the vibe? What's the talk of, of Miami Heat fans right now after such a successful run in the bubble? Yeah, I mean, the bubble was, uh, it took a lot of energy and we can see it, right? We're playing 500 ball right now. Uh, it's a little bit off to a slow start. Obviously, not having Jimmy for a couple of games was tough. Uh, you know, he just came back against the Mavs and he had a pretty terrible game. You can tell he's a little hes a little cold. Uh, his shot's a little short. Um, so it's going to take us a little bit to pick that up. Uh, in, in general, there's not a hangover. I don't want to call it a hangover. Um, you know, we went on, we went on a, such a high that we're trying to kind of uh, uh, timidly, you know, fade slowly into the season. Uh, but so far, you know, playing sub 500 ball, I, I like our, our pickups. I do think in general, we got a, not a little worse, but uh, I do miss, I, I do miss uh, Derek Jones. 
Um, I miss Jay Crowder, one of your old ones. Um, you know, as much as Jay can shoot a little too, too many times, too a, a little, a little, uh, a little more than he should have. Uh, you you got to praise his defense. Uh, the replacement Mo Harkless hasn't been, uh, you know, to the level that we want him to be. Um, and overall, we're off to a slow start, but there's a lot of promising things uh, out of the team. Obviously, Precious Achua was a great pickup, uh, great motor out of the guy. I really, again, back to the point that uh, usually Miami Heat don't give the, the rookies a lot of leash. Uh, not being played a whole lot, but when he is on the court, uh, he looks like he knows what he's doing. A couple of mistakes here and there, but in general, a lot of energy out of that guy. Um, Bam is playing up to his contract so far. Uh, I, I, I wish he was a little bit more aggressive, but I get we're off to a slow start. Um, and then in general, I think the summary of the season so far is uh, Dragic is basically our cleaner. You know, in uh, what's that movie up? Is it Pulp Fiction where they have the cleaner come in and uh, yeah, clean the back Harvey of the car? Ka- Harvey Keitel comes in. Harvey Keitel. Yeah. The he wolf, I think, is his the name. Wolf. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the dragon is the, is the wolf now. Uh, he comes in off the bench and he just cleans up. He's like, what do we need? We're down 10. Got it. Boom, boom, boom. Three threes, one point game, right? We're, we're up 10. All right, pace it. Pull back, pull back, pull back the ball a little bit, pace the game, uh, take it easy. When I go out of the game, I'm going to, we're still going to be 10 up, right? Uh, this guy's just a general and we've always been huge dragon fans, right? But this is probably his best start to a season. Uh, it's been really exciting to see such a, you know, such a skilled guy, such a veteran come in and level everything out when the rookies are a little nervous, when things aren't falling for other people, uh, he comes in and really uh, levels the game out. Um, and then it's been fun uh, watching Bradley, um, you know, one Maybe. of your old as well. <laughs> Do you miss him? Oh, former man. guy. Yeah, we love yeah. Avery Bradley, man. Yeah, Avery Bradley, he was one of those dudes because he was on that, uh, you know, the, the KG squad. Yeah. And, you know, I remember him going up against the Heat and covering Dwayne Wade and, you know, picking up Wade full court and things like that. And, you know, AB, I, I don't know if he's quite the level of on-ball defender that he was in his prime, but, you know, he, he's going to, he's the guy that you can say like, hey, just go pick that dude up 94 feet and you don't have to worry about him the rest of the game. He doesn't require anybody to run plays for him, even though he's not bad coming off of screens. He's good shooting those shots in the corner. So yeah, man, we miss Avery Bradley. Long story short. Yeah, he was yeah. one of my favorite Celtics, man. I remember actually one of my first jobs out here in Texas, um, and Avery Bradley is pretty much the reason why the Heat ended up with Ray Allen. Is that's where that's where that that friction came in. Is that Doc started playing Avery Bradley more for for the defense that that Greg was just referencing, and I really fell in love with Avery Bradley. He's a UT guy here, so I moved out to Austin. And I remember um, I had as a screensaver was uh, Avery Bradley. And this, I remember people would just oh, walk wow. by, and they had absolutely no idea who this guy <laughs> was. And it was a super awkward. My, my particular office I worked with at the time was not uh, did not have a lot of sports fans. So to explain that my background was the seventh man in the Celtics rotation was uh, was not an easy explanation to give. This is the sweaty guy as your wallpaper, <laughs> just <laughs> the hot sweaty guy in the wallpaper. I will wallpaper. Who knows? Yeah, yeah and, and and you know, with with AB, you were talking about how nobody moves like Dwayne Wade, right? When you watch, I love the motorcycle comparison. By the way, that was awesome. Um, but when you watch Avery Bradley, he's another guy. When I saw him live, the way that he moves his hips on defense, he's like an elite cornerback. 
You know, yeah. he, he's got the quickest hips you would ever see and his ability to fight through screens and anticipate where the screen would be. And he would just like take that one big step with it, you know, whatever that that foot going towards the screen was. And he would just get his hips by like he was, you know, doing like a freaking hula hoop or something. And then all of a sudden he'd be right there ready with his long arms reaching in, knocking the ball away. I don't think there are many on ball defenders that I've ever seen move their hips like Avery Bradley. Yeah, very pesky guy. Um, he takes probably one or two too many shots a game overall. Uh, and I and I I've tracked his history, and he's at pace, right? He's doing what he usually does. It usually just feels like ah, that one we could have saved that one for someone else, right? <laughs> uh, there's usually one or two of those a game, but in general, uh, he's a great pickup. Um, you know, it, it, I, I got a report uh, a few days ago that apparently he's having he's had a little bit of a tough time um, adopting the heat culture and how much uh, you know how much physicality there is into the workouts and everything like that, but. Uh, if there's a guy to be able to handle, I think uh, AV is one of them. Um, so we're excited to have him. So excited to watch AV. Um, excited to watch the Dragon become, uh, you know, the wolf, the cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's uh, that's interesting, man. When you bring up uh, Dragic, right? In the bubble, to me, he was your guy's best player against the Celtics, especially on the offensive end. I think Jimmy Butler probably impacted the game in more ways defensively. Probably the same with Bam um, going back to that ridiculous block on Tatum that I want to get your thoughts on at some point. Um, but with, with Dragic, what do you make of their, their decision to bring him off the bench? Because you know, is it uh, we want to develop a Tyler Hero thing? Is it more of a point bam thing that you guys are doing? I haven't watched any Heat this year, and I I can't really wrap my brain around bringing Dragic off the bench after what I saw him do in the bubble. Yeah, that's a great question, and and it's something that I've asked myself as well. Uh, there hasn't been a clear answer to why um, he's being uh, brought off the bench, other than to balance uh, you know balance the team out. Because if you don't bring him off the bench, who you know who will? Um, do you do you bring Tyler Hero off the bench, right? Um, that's the alternative. Who do you bring off the bench that's going to give you that firepower? So to start um, starting Tyler Hero and giving him the keys, you know, he's playing heavy minutes right now. Uh, probably the, I think the most minutes or maybe second most minutes out of the team right now. Uh, giving Tyler Hero the keys and, and really him playing point in a way, unofficial point, um, I think maybe just a, a bit of an experiment right now. I think eventually things will level out. Hopefully Kendrick Nunn can step in a little bit and provide some uh, a semblance of order there. Um, but it's been really interesting seeing how much they raise no true point guard right now. Uh, when when the game start, it's a it, Bam shares the ball a couple of times, right? Uh, bringing the ball up, as you guys have seen, uh, they'll give it to uh, you know Bam to, to to bring up. They'll give it to Tyler. Uh, even Avery Bradley will bring it up here and there. Igudala. So they're all kind of sharing the point guard uh, duties per se. Um, and it's been interesting. Now that's caused a lot of turn- turnovers. Unfortunately, uh, it's been a little chaotic at first. Um, and, and that's why when Drogic comes in, he just, he just level things out, right? He's a cleaner. He, he's going to take order. He's going to, he's going to find the pace. Um, so I think long-term, if it was the playoffs right now, obviously would be starting to dragon, um, right now, early in the season, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to do a hot take or anything, but I want to, I want to say that Tyler has been given the keys so that he can put up numbers and so that he can look good and he can make mistakes and he can learn from them. Um, and they're putting a lot of a lot of responsibility on that guy, you know, twenty year old kid. Uh, but they are really giving the keys and, and letting him learn through all his mistakes. And I think from a necessity of one, let's give Tyler a little more time, uh, let him see what happens when he runs an offense. Uh, two, let uh, Goran rest a little bit, uh, take it easy here and there, be measured about the energy that he outputs. Um, as a combination of both of those things, is is where we stand now. Well, let's use that for a second because I want to talk about Tyler Hero. He <laughs> he was kind of the you know the bell of the ball in the bubble, 
And I certainly drank from the Kool-Aid. I was watching him during the Buck series before uh, we ended up playing you guys in the Eastern Conference Finals. And I was really impressed by what I saw. I thought he had some absolutely huge moments. Of course, everybody remembers the 37-point game, um, which really shook up that series and, and, and put us on edge. Uh, I believe that was game four, which puts you guys up three to one. And then in the closing game, it was really a combo of him and Bam at maybe you know the most important point of that game um, that really closed the door. So I'm curious to know where the heat index is on on Tyler Hero. And and part of the reason I'm even more curious about it is is Greg and I put together, we did this series called Green 18, where we were ranking um, different positions. And we did it from like a traditional standpoint. You know, we mostly think of it as, you know, ball handlers, wings and bigs. But we tried to be a little bit more traditional. We put everybody into a point guard, shooting guard, small forward, so on and so forth. And uh, one of our probably most heated debates that we had. Oh, yeah. I already elevated Tyler Hero to number two in my shooting guard list, only behind Bradley Beal. To be fair, I did I did say that between two and five, I could be convinced to do it any which way, but I was that much of a believer in Tyler Hero. So I want to know from the Heat perspective, he's getting essentially, like you said, the kind of the keys to the car right now. They're at least experimenting with what this looks like as Tyler Hero being the guy with, you know, he is leading your team in points. I know you said, um, you know, you weren't sure if he was first or second. I looked it up while you were talking. He does lead the team in minutes played right now. So what is the heat index on on where everybody stands with Tyler Hero? Yeah, let me address that, actually. I got a bone to pick with Greg there. Uh, picking, uh, uh, what's his name on the Bulls? Who'd you pick? I can't even remember. Zach Levine. Zach Levine. Oh, Zach Levine. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Zach Levine. Listen, Zach Levine's a great player. A lot of athleticism on the guy as well. Uh, he's, uh, I think his ceiling is, the Tyler Hero's ceiling is, is higher than Zach Levine. I would say not, I don't want to be a homer about it. Right. But I've seen the guy and I've seen him. I see every game that, that Tyler plays. Uh, I don't watch a lot of Zach Levine, but when I do, every time I watch him, I'm like, I, I'm always left one, wanting more. feels like every play that Zach Levine does, it's like, yeah, that was cool, but that felt like 90% of what you should have done, right? Uh, it, it always feels that way. Um, so I don't want to get into a whole Zach Levine versus Tyler <laughs> thing. But well, it's, I, let, me, let me just say, it's a, it's a take that probably will not age well for me. It's probably going to end up in, an L, in the L column for me. I like to think, so I'm on team Will. I'm with you, Will. Uh, yeah, but, but, but Ty, um, so obviously his performance in, in the bubble, uh, was really kind of a, a, not a Cinderella story because he was, he was highly touted, but, uh, just seeing how poised that guy is. Right. And, uh, I don't, I, I don't even know if he was 19 or 20 at the time that he was in the fight. No, he was 20 already 20 year old kid. Right. Um, you know, what were we doing when we were 20 years old, right? Probably, you know, messing around, shotgun, a couple of shot- beers and, yeah. you know, certainly didn't have anything in my life figured out. <laughs> And this guy's taking huge shots. So that's already known, right? That's the boring st- stuff. He's he's confident. Um, you know, he has the green light to to to, sh- to take to take the shots. Um, but the the most exciting part is just the the control, how controlled he is so far, being that young. Um, I almost wish he was even more aggressive. Um, I, I um, it almost pains me sometimes how controlled he is and how he's looking for the right play at times. And, and sometimes I think, you know what? I I rather you take your shot. Then uh, Casey Apollo take the shot, or even your boy Kelly Olynyk. I love <laughs> Kelly, but sometimes, God dang, uh, I'd rather you take the shot than give it to Kelly, right? Um, so, in general, everyone's in love with Tyler Hero right now. Uh, there's very little to dislike about the guy. He he does he makes a few mistakes here and there, uh, but in general, I mean, it's basically honeymoon uh, phase right now for every for all the Heat fans out there. 
Um, and one cool thing that I noticed that recently that I was really studying is how, how good of a rebounder he is. Um, he's, Mind you, he's getting a lot of those Westbrook rebounds where everyone's boxing out and he just comes in and cleans the glass. Uh, I basically watched Tyler here rebound for like an entire 10 minutes, just all his rebounds. And there are a lot of that, a lot of, a lot of bam, um, bam boxing out, you know, the, the people that needs to, uh, and then, uh, Tyler here coming in and, and grabbing the rebound. But in general, the, the summary of that study was how, uh, what good of a nose he has for the ball. He knows where it's going to go. Just like any good rebounder, right? Like if you watch a good rebounder, what do they have? They have a good intuition for where the ball is going to be. Uh, how it's going to spin, how it's going to bounce. Um, so even though that's, that's that seems like such a minuscule thing in the in the um, realm of basketball, just watching him rebound kind of tells you all you need to know about how how high his IQ is uh, and how well he's thinking about the game overall. Yeah, for sure. That's something I noticed with Hero. And you know, I, I didn't know my, I, I don't watch much college basketball, so I didn't see him at Kentucky. And then you know, I, I kind of just assumed he wasn't going to be very athletic. And when I watched him for those six games against the Celtics, that's the stuff that stood out to me. The fact that he was such a good rebounder. He was a good rebounder in that series as well. Um, but he was way more bouncy than I thought he was. And he his instincts are just crazy on both sides of the ball. He always knows where to be. And you know, I think there were a couple plays where he even got rebounds over Marcus Smart. And you know, Marcus is our guy that has those instincts and the nose for the ball. And when when he was beating Marcus to the ball, I was like, oh. Like, man, like that that's yeah. where your IQ is. And then on the offensive side of the ball, man, I can't say enough. I, I, I had a, a few pods where I was just doing solo pods, reacting to games. And Tyler Hero, you know, he, he was amazing, dude. This, the, the plays that he would make, and Will and I would just, you know, watch the games together. And I'd be like, why why does it seem like Tyler Hero makes the right play every single time he has the ball? And like we right. don't have, like we didn't have anybody on our squad that was on that level of playmaking, and I, I think that manifested in the in the result of the series. Is the Celtics just didn't have the the IQ and the playmaking that you guys did. And I, I kind of wanted to transition into just asking you, as you were watching the Celtics versus the Heat, what were your actual like? Were you surprised at the end result of that series, or did you kind of already have a feeling, you know, with your kind of analytics uh, based view of the game? Did you see stuff? In, in how the Celtics played and how the Heat played that made you confident in in the Heat going into that series? Yeah, honestly, I mean, in, in general, the previous two seasons, um, I think we went one and two two years ago and one and three against you guys uh, last year in the bubble, regular season per se. Uh, so in general, you guys have taken the, the regular season. What was surpri- not surprising, but as we came into the playoffs a couple of games in, um, I don't want to say inexperienced because obviously your your guys have been there, done that. Uh, they've been in the playoffs, but it almost seemed like during the playoffs, as time went on, uh, the poise of the Heat, the the fact that they don't beat themselves, right? The Heat, the heat you have to beat them. You have to beat the Heat. They're not going to beat themselves. They very rarely will make mistakes, um, and if they do, they're they're rare here and there. Uh, you won't compound on mistakes, you know, very rarely. So, um, you know, as as the series. When the when the season first started, honestly, I thought we were going to lose. And I think if you guys had Gordon Hayward, it would be it would have been a different story. Uh, to me, he's a control. Gordon was always the guy that really paced the game, that was really there to um, to really set the pace, uh, you, you know, and and really kind of direct people and be in the right spots that someone needed to be. He was a gap filler, right? He's a glue guy, um, and you guys lack that. So as much as you guys had better talent probably than us, um, the, the culture and the discipline, and honestly, part of it is the stamina. Uh, the Heat are, are very uh, well-conditioned. 
I think as the series went on, to me, it, it I don't want to call it young versus old because the Celtics aren't necessarily uh, that young per se, but I feel like some of the inexperience, uh, some, some of the poise, some of the heat, uh, especially coming from somebody like Goran and Jimmy Butler, um, you know, and really leveling things out, uh, kind of made that little bit of a difference that that uh, that we needed. Um, and I think Tatum is uh, Tatum could have been better. He could have he could have played a little better if if it was Tatum twenty fifteen percent better. Tatum, you guys probably take the series. Um, but but overall, the, I don't want to call it fluky because the the bubble in itself had its own set of challenges that were really interesting and. Um, and the fact that the Lakers won, we're not going to take anything away from them. It was, it was hard. It was hard for everyone to win in that bubble. But, um, you know, Jackie McMullen said something uh, a couple of pots ago. I think it was with Bill Simmons where she, where she said how, what the mental part of all this was, right? All these, all these young cats being away from their family, uh, being in a, being in a hotel room stuck in there day in and day out. And then just the grind that that is, right? You really have to have, um, a really good foundation for that, to, to, to work. Um, and, you know, I don't know if you guys heard this uh, in the in the playoffs, but when Jimmy Butler was asked, "How come you didn't bring any family to the bubble?" He's like, "I'm here for business. I am here <laughs> for business." Um, so just th- that attitude that they had, I think, as as cheesy as it may sound, um, I think part of it was mental. I think any regular season, I don't want to call it a fluke because I am very proud of what we did. If it was a normal season, it would have been a lot tougher to take you guys out. Yeah, man, that's a, by the way, that's the most Jimmy Butler answer of all time (laughs) to come back and be asked that question and say, you're here for business. That's just, that just seems like that dude's just MO right there. I already love that guy. When he said that, I was like, all right, that's it. You know, put a ring on it. It's uh, (laughs) a beautiful man. We just didn't know he was talking about a coffee business. (laughs) <laughs> his, his his hotel room coffee business yeah man you're gonna yeah. start opening up some franchises in miami i bet you <laughs> i know i'll give me give me one here i'll open the the atx one <laughs> well man we uh we appreciate you coming on the pod we're super excited for this upcoming week to kind of see the test of of where these two teams are at right now coming off the eastern conference finals um you know we don't even know the second half of the schedule. So really hoping that we actually get to play the heat some more so we can bring you back on and continue these conversations. Um, but one thing we got to get with you about before you go, and this is part of our Heroes Among Us miniseries, sticking with our overall title here, Green With Them. But we got to find out from you, a Miami Heat fan, what's at least one thing that you would say you are envious of, of the Celtics? I think the number one thing has to be the history that you guys have. You guys can go way back and you have so much culture uh, and history for so long uh, that, uh, you know, even, even going to the garden, we went to the garden. Well, it was a good time. It just, it, it you right, can man. feel the history, right? You can feel the fandom, the multicultural fandom of grandparents and parents and kids, all these uh, generations growing up around the sport, right? Uh, Miami's a bit of a newer team, uh, therefore the the the, the fandom uh, is a little younger. Um, so as much as we have we've had good success so far, um, we usually uh, are competitive out there. Uh, I do wish and I do envy some of the history that you guys have. Uh, and if I had to give a second one, you know, this is probably a boring answer, but Jalen Brown, that dude is just 
so good. Yeah, you're talking to the right podcast. We we literally the our last pod, which is which is coming out uh, either tonight as we're recording this or first thing tomorrow morning on a Monday. Um, it's a lot about Jalen Brown and where Jalen Brown is at right now as a player and how he has just been an absolute beast in these first seven games. And that's back to back, right? Alex also chose Jalen Brown that's for right. one of the things that he was envious of. But I need to hear more, Raul. Why are you envious of Jalen Brown? <laughs> I mean, to me, to me, he's almost a uh, a Jimmy Butler clone uh, that will be better than Jimmy Butler when when it all is said and done. Uh, if he continues at this pace, he has uh, the defensive prowess that Jimmy has uh, in some ways. Um, maybe not as good, but but he's there. Um, and then just how again back to the IQ, how how well um, it seems that he moves. He he can he's always in the right place. He's making the right play at the right time. Now, uh, early on in his career, I felt like he was a little hesitant. Um, at times, and maybe he didn't make the right cut, or or maybe um, you know the right shot fake here and there. Uh, now everything he does seems really, really uh, poised and, and controlled. Um, and and you know this is outside of basketball, but how much uh, presence he has out there, you know, around social justice and what kind of a person he is outside of basketball too. Um, obviously, probably not don't watch as much as you guys, but the uh, from a from a high level. Uh, watching what the guy has done, um, his true core beliefs and his core purpose in life uh, has been really cool to watch. And I think that always can translate to the court, right? Uh, having having that heart and having that discipline, the structure, um, you can tell why he's improved so much over time, right? Um, as much as I don't want to bash Tatum in any way um, because on this pot for you guys, but as a comparison, from what I've seen, Tatum outside of work per se, uh, is a little iffy. There's a couple of baby mama dramas here and there, and there's a couple of things that have been weird, right? Hey, hey, we we will we will not have any besmirching of Deuce on this podcast. <laughs> Deuce Tatum is a goddamn legend. We'll be yeah, you know, and I don't want to I don't want to say that's all bad or anything, but when you hear how good of a person Jalen um, uh, Brown is outside of basketball, and then see his improvement over time and the the current trajectory that he's at, uh, you can't help but be excited, right? I would I. Right now, with this whole Harden trade rumors, and you know, maybe they'll flip Jalen Brown for Harden. It's like I would say, I would hang up so quickly. The second, you say J, you get the J out, done, <laughs> done, hanging up. Love the guy. Love it, man, dude. That's uh, that's awesome to hear from a from another fan perspective to see that you know the growth that Greg and I are continuously watching from Jalen. You know, it's it's being observed from other fan bases that that are taking notice around the league. And and you're right, his you know his voice when it comes to you know social justice matters is is it's unbelievably impressive. And when you know when he's very involved in the players' union, um, and so he's going to be a guy that has you know I, I think I've said this before in the podcast. I I would as good as he is on the court, I think he may by the time his you know life is done or he's older and like he may actually even be known more for stuff that he ends up doing off the court than on the court he's that impressive yeah big respect to the guy well raul man we uh we appreciate you dropping by the green with envy pod man we want you to come back on anytime you feel like you got to get some takes off you got to get some hoops talk out whether it's heat basketball whatever you're looking to talk you know man we uh we miss being able to chop it up and, and shoot some hoops with you on a tuesday night so we appreciate you coming by and and having a chat with us here today yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It was fun. One quick thing, I, I got to drop by just because I looked at the schedule. So you guys, you guys play the Wizards, and you kind of hand off, hand us off a used Wizards the next night. So we're gonna get the Wizards uh, off of back to back, but then we got to play you guys the second night on our back to back. So as this, as this little two game mini series comes up, 
I'd like to think we could take the first one because the second one's going to be tough. But we'll, <laughs> we, we will see. Best right, of luck man. to you guys. Yeah. All right, Raul. Nice too. talking to you, man. All right, later, guys. All right, bro. Take care.